0: Football has meant too much to me, and come to represent too many things. See, after a while, it all gets mixed up together in your head, and you can't remember whether life's shit because Arsenal is shit all the other way around. I've been to watch far too many games, spent too much money, fretted about Arsenal when I should have been fretting about something else. I've asked too much of the people I love. Okay, I accept all that. Perhaps it's something you can't understand unless you belong. But what about this? Three minutes to go and you two one up in a semi-final. And you look around and you see all those thousands of faces contorted with fear and hope and worry. Everyone lost. Everything else gone out of their heads. Then the whistle blows and everyone goes spare. And just for those few minutes you're at the centre of the whole world. And the fact that you care so much that the noise you've made has been such a crucial part of it all is what makes it special. Because you've been every bit as important as the players and if you hadn't have been there then who'd have been bothered about football really? The great thing is that it comes around again and again. There's always another season. If you lose the cup final in May, well there's the third round to look forward to in January. What's wrong with that? It's actually pretty comforting if you think about it. to pop for. My-
1: 5 final Joe Patrick mentioned in the game. Jerusalem Soccer is over there. I'm Jay Sam Jones from the Mothership and the Striker Atlanta. Joe Patrick, what does Jimmy Fallon have to say about this?
2: <laughs> How dare he? How dare he try to remake a classic film? <laughs> a film that already barely, you know, gets to the point where it's a suitable, made for, made for the motions... Uh, motion picture or made for the screen the silver screen version of a book which uh-huh. was one of the best books i've ever read in my life i totally what what are we I talking, totally about? What are fever we talking pitch. about are we fever talking pitch. about fever pitch yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Origi- the original book by nick hornby i don't
0: Joe, have they it i do not can't see you looking i don't, don't have it on my back i don't have that. it on my bookshelf i was <laughs>
2: sorry that's <laughs> this is a great podcast Great podcast.
1: This is the Atlanta United podcast. Very very appropriate.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just... Oh my goodness. What a disaster already. We have just conceded in the first 15 minutes (laughs) of this podcast.
1: Which would make it the ninth time this year for Atlanta United, which would make it the worst in MLS, because they were tied for the worst. But Mm -hmm. goodness is they didn't do that yesterday. Joe Patrick, why are we talking about fever pitch?
2: Because I'm sad. I'm feeling melancholy (laughs) this morning, man. It feels like... And I'm already sensing this from some of the messages I've seen from fans um, when I've asked for questions and things like I'm seeing people who are like, we should you know, just sell off the pieces, forget about this year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I was thinking about um, this is actually what the moment that Atlanta United is in right now is probably in the the meaty part of the bell curve of likely results after having or likely outcomes after having sustained all the injuries that this team did mm-hmm. um but you can't help but like you have to just say you're continuing to fight for it and you got to you know continue to try to win games but at the end of the day like this is just what the roster is i went back and was watching highlights from the first game of the season against Sporting Kansas City and it was it's a, just a different team out there
1: yeah to be fair, that Sporting Kansas City was team is is also secret trash. They are. And we we found even, out. Are they pretty are they secret trash that. or yeah. just, just trash? We, we, we thought they would, might be secret trash potentially <laughs> yeah. after that first game. Then they completely yeah proved they were right. Yeah. But just to see Guzan and you know, Miles Robinson
2: and and just all those in general guys. the
1: movement looked great. You mm-hmm. know, It, it Ozzie looks, Lonzo. looked better. It just looked better, and so I'm ready yeah. to go back and look at all that. But then again, you're, you're exactly right. The roster is the roster right now. The same issues are the same issues that have been going on three plus years now. It's it's bleak, man. Rob just put. Have you seen Rob's post this Mm -hmm. morning on DSS? It's simply titled Untitled, and it it goes from there as far as describing Rob's feelings. And uh, I think he kind of hits at the heart of it, which is just a lot of us are here right now because we have to be here and that's understandable.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you never you never wanted to get that way. I think. Atlanta United as a club has really benefited from the fact that its fans are so passionate that they do get angry and they do get they're still engaged with the team, even if that those emotions that they have about the team, especially in the last few years, haven't always been the good emotions. But at least people are still attached. I fear that this team is kind of losing some of that because that the last thing you want is people just feeling totally apathetic about the situation and just not caring at all.
1: Yeah, it- I haven't seen a ton of apathy from the folks in like the Discord, but that's like the one percentile, right? You now, exactly. I, I, yeah. I think I think we're well aware that around the city and everything like that, that in general, like the the casual fan is not engaged in the same way they were, and we've we've been fearing that for a while, and we're, we're past the threshold on that, and that's just where we are. That's just where we are right now. So, it sucks. I don't know really what else to to kind of do uh, and say beyond that, right? Um, but, well, we still had a lot of questions at the very least from the people that listen to the show. And so today is kind of going to be mostly a mailbag episode where Hell we yeah. take a whole bunch of questions and just kind of parse through everything that y'all are feeling and y'all are thinking right now. As we enter the final stretch of the season, it's not completely over, but. We talked through the schedule on the last show and kind of looked at it and we're optimistic about the outcomes and even those optimistic outcomes, especially after a a draw against Chicago, don't really put you in a place where you're probably going to make the playoffs. So that's the reality. That's where we're at. It's not over, but we can see how this team is playing. We can see the roster. We can see everything. and The path seems relatively clear the rest of the way. Uh, Two things to get to first, though. Thanks, Kirk Castle. On the intro, to the song is Chances. You can check that out on Spotify or anywhere else you get music. Uh, you can check us out, patreon.com slash five start final. We're still going to be cranking stuff out the rest of the year. We still got plenty of stuff to kind of dive into because we are going to, to be doing a lot of looking towards the future. I think over the rest of the season, we've got interviews all sorts of folks up, including Jeff Lur. I know it's Michael Parker. Stuff. Felipe came and talked to us for a little bit. Tom Bogert came and talked to us for a little bit, and and we'll we'll bring in some more folks as well uh, throughout the rest of the year and into the off season and into the future forever and ever and ever until we die. So go check that out. Patreon.com/slash straight I
2: I will say once again, it's going to be a super busy off season. Just kind of looking ahead because of all I the was, changes uh, that are going to happen. Same thing this morning. Yep. 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 And, and we can both kind of talk on about the, the roster about, and so. off the roster changes because we know about this whole president search. So there's mm-hmm. who knows what ramifications might come from that whenever there is somebody appointed. So a ton to kind of look forward to if for, you know, if the only optimistic reason is for the changes that could be ahead for this team.
1: We know a little bit more about that president search. Joe Patrick, now after Steve Cannon talked to us, we're going to talk about it right now And business time. business time Joe Patrick and maybe this doesn't quite fit in business time I just didn't quite know where else to put it but we got to talk about it because Steve Cannon uh CEO of AMBSE that's Arthur and Blank Sports Entertainment did I say CSE SE whatever anyway (laughs) um (laughs) he talked to us about uh the ongoing coaching search he is leading that in some capacity right he is in charge of it at the very least and kind of gave us an idea of both the timeline and direction this may be going uh, timeline doesn't seem like they're in any hurry. I think we should put that right out there that no one's going to come in uh, before this transfer windows over or anything like that. It's not happening this week. There were no formal announcements made, et-, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It seems like the goal is to have this done by the end of the year,
2: right? hmm the certain they haven't even hired the search firm yet that they will be using to conduct the search so if anybody has seen any reports that atlanta united has been in contact with so and so they have not even gotten to that stage yet i think hopefully by the end of the day monday they will have a good idea of who they're going to be using for that search firm not that that will become publicized or anything but at least at that point we'll know that they're and they won't they won't say make an announcement about it but I think by the end of this coming week they should be kind of on their way towards, you know, looking at the the pool of candidates and trying to, you know, set up meetings and that kind of thing. So, I I really got the um idea from listening hearing from Steve that he's mainly going to be here to kind of help facilitate the process mm-hmm. of the search and mainly be evaluating candidates on the basis of whether they are a good culture fit within the Arthur Blank Sports and Entertainment Company, you know, like his his role is not going to be really doing a hard line evaluation of the soccer side of it. That's what the firm that they hire will be for. He's mainly there to make sure that, you know, whoever it is, is not like uh, Gabriel Heinze <laughs> or, or somebody yeah. like that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So they're going to look everywhere. It sounds like they're going to go. worldwide. Well, this doesn't sound like they're going to go internal. That was business, interesting, which, which was maybe the most interesting revelation out of all of it, right, was that Demetrius Astathieu, the indication from Cannon's quotes at this time were that uh, Stathiu was going to help integrate the new president and be a part of the team in that way. He's only been here for a year. My initial reaction was that a year is plenty of time to kind of learn the role and step into it. But uh, they the indication from Steve Cannon was that that is not the case. it just
2: just goes to show how experienced of a executive that they will be looking for for this particular mm -hmm. role because you know Dimitrios has worked no doubt in the higher levels um, both the league office and then then obviously here at Atlanta United but I think it just goes to show that for this role of president they want somebody who's kind of been there done that has a lot of experience maybe having done the job prior whether that's within MLS or outside MLS and somebody obviously that knows the league so um, it's just surprising that um, uh, somebody like Demetrios would kind of not be considered just mm. because he just doesn't have that that qu- quite the level of experience. But I think it certainly helps to have a guy like Demetrios still within the front office that has all that MLS knowledge.
1: It makes sense. And um, to some extent, anyway, it's just like I said, surprising, but encouraging to see that they are going to take their time, I guess, uh, with the search. It's not like there's really much you can salvage right now with this group. And uh, you know, if they end up going worldwide and pulling someone from outside MLS, I'd imagine that person would be someone who uh, fit a similar mold to, to other hirings that Lane United have made that, that might turn some heads potentially, right? That, that's my mm-hmm. gut call anyway. We don't know that for sure. Um, we don't know a lot for sure. Um, including the fate of Carlos right. negra And uh, the comments that Steve Kenna made about Carlos were interesting. Uh, the the indications were again that Bocca Negra wasn't really going anywhere right of course that being said you can't commit to that in any way on a press conference that you called on a random monday afternoon or whatever it was yeah right you're, you're not just going to say that the boca negra is out uh, there, there'll be a lot right. to consider right with that but the quotes initially said that we're going to look for for someone who will work well with carlos so mm-hmm. if that changes and he was important that for continuity process, yeah right but that could change within that search process sure right we sure. just know so very little because if if the search firm and whoever else comes back and tells you that Garth Lagerway is the guy, there's no other guy. You have to get this guy. And Garth Lagerway says that Carlos Bucconugger is not a part of this anymore. And Carlos Bucconugger is probably not a part of this anymore. <laughs> right. Um, a lot to consider there and a lot of things still to learn as we go throughout the next couple of months. Yep, for sure. All right, Joe Patrick, before we get into all these questions, let's take an early, quick break.
2: This will be the saddest read I've ever done for our presenting partner of the show. As you can see, my brain is just totally messed up. Sam is constantly laughing at my flubs that I'm making here. Uh, Our presenting partner of the show is, of course, Lucid FC. You know that if you're uh, a listener of the show. They're open in Buckhead uh, by appointment, one to eight p.m. daily at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. You can also find them online at lucidfc.us, and you can use DSS as your season-long. Promo code for free shipping within the United States. I made a joke last week about paying for anybody's shipping who is shipping to Kuwait. Because uh, I think we have a listener in Kuwait That's off the table I'm not, I, All right, th- That uh, that deadline has expired <laughs> We'll no longer be uh, Paying for any shipping to Kuwait uh-huh. um, The <laughs> Lucidfc.us If you go on you'll see athletic inspired Heritage sets now available French terry cotton athletic sets perfect for performance And as I always say my favorite Recovery lounging in athletic gear Is my way to go um, And you can see how they look as they've been sported By Miles Robinson and I think Jack Harlow's been in not this particular Set of clothes, but um, they've got all kinds of fun. Uh, got celebrities basically who have repped their their stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, there are new releases this summer every Thursday on LucidFC.us. So just check them out. And again, use that for, uh, shipping code DSS to get free shipping within the United States. New stuff
1: dropped. I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm really I'm really liking a lot of the t-shirts and stuff they're putting out this year. they The the uh, designs are pretty minimal, but they still have the very cool like yeah tilted hashtag lucid logo on it but yeah i don't know enjoy that yeah it's
2: it's really good stuff
1: good work lucid you're the only you're the only folks actually (laughs) putting in quality work (laughs) as of late (laughs) including us (laughs) uh you guys put in some quality work with all these questions again kind of different format for us today but we're just going to go through as many of these as we can and i think we'll cover pretty much all of it because like joe i mean off the top did you have really any? Big takeaways from a nil nil draw. No Chicago,
2: not really. Other than you know, George Campbell had a couple really bad giveaways. So did Mateus Rosetto. Rosetto was I pretty terrible. Thank, yeah. thankfully, I mean the team didn't get punished for those, but it felt like they were playing with nine lives in this game. Um, and then Joseph Martinez in the attack, I just felt like he was completely anonymous again or just not making you know the runs how many times we have to talk about the freaking runs but like i feel like every time he came into the picture he was coming like from away from the opponent's goal into the frame
1: here's my thing we're gonna we're gonna accidentally do a sports prime game time so i can feel it (laughs) here's the thing (laughs) Now, Chicago comes into this one, I think, second in the league in defending in an organized state when it comes to XG allowed and what second spectrum determines to be an organized state. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to defending in a transition state. You don't often get them in a transition state, but when you do, you're successful. And that's what Atlanta United was able to do in that 4-1 win at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against the a while back. Who started that game at striker? Ronaldo Cisneros. Who started mm. this game on the wing? Ronaldo Cisneros. The Ronaldo Cisneros at wing experiment continues to be completely ineffective, and I would have much rather had uh, him starting ahead of Joseph in this one, quite frankly, to try and get him behind and make those runs. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at.
2: Yeah, he clearly is lacking uh, a certain like just uh, he's he's like lacking ball skills to be able to be effective on the wing.
1: Right. And when he's not just running into the same kind of chances because he feels like he has defensive responsibilities or whatever else to worry about, then he's not going to be as effective. Mm -hmm. And that's just plain and simple. Or he's worried about taking Joseph's space or whatever, because this team has no attacking chemistry, uh, despite all its individual talent. So that was a bit frustrating to see. I think I I disagreed with that as far as that decision goes. Um, I agreed with the decision to kind of go with the more attack-minded lineup that kind of went with that pseudo back four back three thing where mm-hmm. it's actually one of parada who was out that right back mm-hmm. uh position with louise trying to be isolated on the right side and getting those one-on-one situations um that we saw i think like brooks lennon get into a lot at the beginning of the year it's been a pretty common theme overload one side put someone isolated on the usually the right side and try to get them in one-on-one situations it almost worked a couple of times with Louise, but then do, do we remember the one time that the team just like they ran into each other as Louise was running <laughs> yeah, into the box. Joseph
2: just like ran right <laughs> in. Christ, man.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use that for every single thing I talk about at Laning night for like the next like three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the so, setup
2: though with like with yeah, Perata kind of as a right, right back. It, yeah. it allows you to play with again with, uh, you know, the midfield that you want with, you know, essentially three central midfielders. And you also get the personnel at the back that allows you to defend a little bit more robustly with three kind of traditional center backs. But that helps you defending crosses and, <laughs> and corner kicks. Yeah. I, I laugh at the crosses because they almost got burned on again another like simple cross just that like roller. Alan Franco yeah. just like misses and then um, I think that he kind of puts off Caleb Wiley because he was so close to they were so close to each other when he missed that header so uh, that was nearly a disaster but again uh, another I was thinking live. another one they oh, were you?
1: Messed up. again Alan Franco just kind of staring at Rocco Rios Nova as Rocco Rios Nova stares at Alan Franco yeah. and the ball
2: rolls Roll right past like them, three almost. yards from goal line mm-hmm. yeah that's not the first time that's happened either that mm-hmm. happened that was they conceded uh, that was the, when Caleb Wiley kind of of, had a bad oh, touch right. against yep. somebody i forget who it was but um yeah austin i put some i put some of that on rios novo too i think he's just got to be a little bit braver and come off his line and collect a ball
1: exactly agreed agreed so it's all the same stuff. yeah it's just
2: the same like, yeah it's, it's just the same stuff right. yeah. it's, it's literally the same, the same, it's the same, stuff. same
1: thing over and again because even when even when one replacement level midfielder has a decent game santi sosa the other one doesn't fucking do anything well i said to, and it's all the same. We're just saying the same
2: things. And 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 and, you know, people are going to say, well, that's on Pineda because he should be fixing the, the things that are bad. But at the at the end of the day, like the players are out there on the field. And I'm sure the first time that he saw on that, uh, that the first time the ball rolled across the three yard line and. Atlanta ended up conceding from it. I'm sure he pointed that out in video and said, you know, Rocco, you need to Don't. be brave. We're coming off your line and collecting, you know, like he assesses these things and and tries to fix them, but then it's just comes down to the players and their natural tendencies. And they just keep kind of struggling with the same issues. We're just, we're in a loop. Yeah. We're looping. This is why I feel so depressed after this game. Uh, I just feel like,
1: <laughs> yeah, again, I, I think it was the right call. Um, they eventually even switched to an even more attacking setup when they subbed in Aiden McFadden. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the subs future, are good. I think the, I thought subs are good. I thought the setup was fine. I thought the team is just pretty bad, yep. pretty mediocre. Yep, same as always. So uh, I think the way forward is Wiley on the wing, Gootman on the left, Cisneros uh, starting at striker. I, I wrote a full column about it in striker and tried to show why with video evidence and number numerical evidence and everything like that. Patrick, two of the top three games by X XG created for Atlanta this year. One was that Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. The other was on the road against their Miami. Both of those games were Caleb Wiley at left wing. <laughs> mm, interesting. At left back. Um, and the other, I think the other one was the either the Chicago game. I think it was a Chicago game. Yeah. Where they ran them off the field, but mm-hmm. they didn't put that same lineup out uh this time. So, oh, well, all right. Okay. Now we'll get to the questions. Okay. After we say in a pseudo sports prime game time there, um, John says, when will this get better? Will this team ever have two wins in a calendar month again? That is something that we just like haven't had is just like any kind of consistent yeah. run of wins to be like even remotely optimistic about. <laughs> yeah. They get one and then that's it.
2: Yep. There. Yeah, there's been no consistency of form across the season at any point. I think Doug was the one going over uh, the wins per month, and yeah, it's just it's just rough. So when will that happen? Next season. I, I mean, Next I just don't, I don't, yeah. under, I don't see it kind of correcting itself at the, any point.
1: Uh, Shay Adam says the attack? Question mark. Same thing as always. I mean, we... <laughs> I don't know if
0: that's the same.
2: The show is gonna. <laughs> it's true though. I mean, it's true. Like I don't. Yeah. I... Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So. Um... In 2017, 2018, definitely those two years in particular, when Miguel Almarone was on the team. He was such a dynamic player because the team could basically all be defending. Joseph would be just standing by himself up near the center circle between the two center backs. And then Miguel would get the ball and just carry it 70 yards downfield. And he and then and he would, you know, at some point find Joseph or maybe find Gressel who would then find Joseph or something like that. But Miguel Almiron was such a good connector. He connected the team. He connected the team from the back to Joseph. And right now there's just not a connecting player who's like getting Joseph involved in the game uh, or or Cisneros, to be quite frank. I mean, like we mm. I think we both like the his style of more direct running at goal, but where you do not see the consistent link up play with him to get him the service that he wants. I think a perfect example of this, of the service that you do want to see is kind of like the assist that he got from Tiago Almada in the RSL game, where he makes a sprint down the field into the channel. Almada is able to hit him with that pass, but still that pass was from kind of, quite a distance away from him. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very good pass, but it's probably not one you can make on a regular basis. And so that's just kind of the the missing link I see is just there's not the there's a there's a break in the chain where uh, where you get to Joseph and or, or whatever forward is playing to get them involved in the game regularly. Part of that
1: is the midfielders just don't get involved. Yeah, <laughs> I, yep. I'd
2: hate to like That's my crutch right now with this team. They're not
1: multifaceted enough. Yeah, just just watch, just watch other teams and how they get into the box around the league and the chances they create and how those chances are created with with pullbacks and cutbacks and interplay around the box. It's actually direct in a sense and doesn't fall into what some fans have delightfully termed the U of death, where the team just passes the ball in, in that U shape around. Like it, it needs to be more direct. They need to have the personnel able to execute. When they do start trying to play direct and they need to have the numbers in the box and they simply haven't had those things. And even when those people get the ball in the box, it's not like Mateus Isetsu is going to finish because he has one goal contribution since he arrived
2: at Atlanta United. And that's just not good. enough. Crazy. That's actually like hard to do if you tried considering how much he plays. Dude, I could.
1: I'm not saying I could. But I think I could. Like even it?
2: accidentally. Was it Pineda that referred to him as like the playmaker? A playmaker? Yeah, that was the
1: that was not the. I get what he
2: means, the but best thing. he's just yeah. not.
1: Yeah, <laughs> really making many plays. I'm not sure if that's necessarily what he he meant to say in that scenario. I don't know, but not a playmaker. Uh, I thought Sanzy Sosa was pretty okay. We have two questions about that. Pierce says how Sosa play, and Wes says uh, so. Uh, them Sansi positives. Um, looks fine. Not game changing, not spectacular, just fine.
2: Probably That's the best. For. Probably the best solution that you have, though, in that position. I think. I mean, I think I'd be more comfortable after seeing that from Santiago Sosa. I think I'm more comfortable with him playing as kind of the six, um, the most defensive of the midfielders, than mm-hmm. Franco Abara, than. I mean, it's kind of frankly, they haven't really been playing with one. Honestly, when they've been playing with three center backs, they've just playing with like a say to combo or something like that. Today. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that he he seems the best. It was very interesting to hear Gonzalo Pineda talk about him after the game yesterday. It almost felt, he like he almost went. The question was, I think, from Doug or somebody it was like, you know, how do you think he played? And he immediately kind of went into like a very defensive mode. Like you have to understand he's just coming back from tra- like almost as if. The the like the the inflection was that he played bad, but like, I don't think anybody no, thought he no, was no, no, bad. No, no, no. Hold on.
1: Hold on. Hold on. That was that was not directed. I don't think it like Santis play anything like that. I think the the context of that was that they were wondering um Gonzalo wanted to clarify why Santiago Sosa had perhaps not been starting, but and considering okay. the week's events. Right, right. He, want, he said very clearly since he said, since sometimes my words get taken out of context, here is why. San Diego Sosa had not been starting and he laid out the entire thing from there. Um, from
2: what I remember, the question though was just like, how do you think he played And he kind of? Um, right. And so that's when he
1: Gonzalo's response was not necessarily directly to that question. It was yeah, yeah. in response to, to the other things that have happened this week, which I think we'll get to in a little bit. Um, okay. So that's my take there. But anyway,
2: I agree. I mean, yeah. I agree. I, like, I thought he was he was fine. I mean, he's not a game changer or anything, but he can do his job, which. Can't say for a lot of players yeah. in this team right now.
1: <laughs> Single pivot, Gonzo. Do it. <laughs> you can't get any worse at this point. I mean, I guess you could, but yeah, <laughs> just do it. Uh, Tiago and Marcy, false eights, dueling false eights. Mm-hmm. Go for it. <laughs> um, God, man, it's bad. Uh, Trax Dodge says, was it just me or did the team look absolutely determined to not give up a goal? I noticed a few times different players going above and beyond to do anything to keep a clean sheet. Some obvious trust issues between the backline and Rocco. I agree on that last part about the trust issues. I don't necessarily agree with them going full out the entire time. There were some decent uh, goal saving moments, I think, where they recovered and scrambled. But the moments before that that preceded uh, that goal saving moment were oftentimes lacking energy. Do you remember, Joe Patrick, there was a moment where I, I genuinely think it was about a minute to two minutes where. Atlanta United simply didn't put pressure on anyone on the ball. And Chicago just kind of stood there with the ball on multiple occasions yeah. as they worked it around the box. Yeah, And it led to Santiago Sosa sliding to the ground and clearing a through ball that nearly found Jordan security, But the moments before that were just <laughs> not it.
2: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I kind of acknowledge it to to Caleb when we were talking to him after the game. I mean, I I do think it was kind of commendable the way the team was Defending at the end of that game, just you know, in terms of just kind of throwing their bodies on the line and really giving a good effort to to try to keep the clean sheet, which I thought was good. But to your point, I mean, it's like, but then they were just giving the ball away very easily, and you know, it's they didn't have to be putting themselves in some of those situations um where a little bit more composure and a little bit more quality may have allowed them to to break out and potentially start a counterattack. And then you never know what can happen on the other end. They were just nab- never able to quite get that done. So I mean, it's. Yeah, I I get like, <laughs> listen, I'm all about just taking any optimism we can. Like, so kudos to them for <laughs> keeping the clean sheet. But uh, it's also just hard to be too encouraged by mm-hmm. anything. Agreed.
1: Pierce ask this, He says this team is not in any position to push Joseph or Guzan out. This team lacks leadership and would repeat the 2020 mistake of sacrificing its last culture leaders chasing upgrades, smart transfers to upgrade midfield and other spots are a higher priority. Uh, it's a good thought Pierce. I always appreciate Pierce's questions. Um, it's interesting. I, I get, I get where you're coming from there for sure. You don't want to go into the year and have a similar thing happen to, to what's kind of happening right now where you don't have that act of leadership. But at the same time, I think that maybe it's not just, Joseph and Guzan, maybe it's it's the guys kind of throughout the roster, right? Yeah. That they just maybe yeah. don't have that in, in them to be that kind of personality, to be that kind of leader and to essentially Joe Patrick have that dog in them, you know, uh, to, to sum it up in the simplest way I can possibly do it. And having Joseph and Guzan is great. But if the rest of the group just isn't in it and doesn't have it in them, then it's not going to matter. Right. Yeah. So
2: it can't and, just be I, one player. Yeah. Jeff Lorenowitz was on the 2020 team. Exactly. Back but, you know, know. Too. Uh. yeah, yeah. It it takes a little bit. Yeah. You need, you need those kinds of players to not only be on the roster, but also contributing in a positive way and be out there on the field with their teammates a lot, you know, tactically speaking, you want those players to be helping organize, you know, exactly kind of what Ozzy Alonso was set up to do this year. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that kind of leads to Pierce's point at the bottom of the question there, which is smart transfers to upgrade midfield and other spots are a higher priority, mm-hmm. which, yes, totally agree. Mm-hmm. I think that is much more crucial than making a choice on Joseph for Gazan.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: hundred you percent. know, mm-hmm. And the question is, can you do those effectively if you still have those contracts there? Um, maybe. Maybe, probably. Yeah, I mean, yes. hard and
2: hard to know. But yeah, I mean,
1: but probably. Right because um, it, it just can't be this hard to find effective midfielders it really can't
2: yeah um.
0: uh,
1: yeah spreadsheet jockey says let's concede this season is a bust what do we need to do in the offseason to rebuild atlanta united and does it still involve joseph martinez i should have grouped those questions together do we do you, are, do midfield? we think Tom
2: do we think Tom was wrong? Do we think Tom Bogart yes. was wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I yeah. made faces.
1: I made faces at him while he was saying
2: this. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he saw those faces. And it's
1: totally understandable because from an outside perspective, you kind of look and see that Joseph has a, a handful of goals this year and a handful of assists and everything like that. Um, but for us, you know, when we're chained to the, the Sisyphe- Sisyphean task of watching this team each and every week, we can Look at the runs. We can see the movement, and we can tell that this is not a DB quality player anymore, Mm -hmm. and probably won't be. Yep. And that's just that. That's kind of where I'm at.
2: Pretty simple. He could go somewhere else and be very good. It's hard for me to see that happening in Atlanta. It's just like hard for me to see that turn. You know, like the, the the whole change of scenery cliche. I do think yeah. it is true to an extent, and I, it's not even necessarily relevant to soccer players or even athletes. But I think anybody in life, like when you're just in a rut, um, sometimes like changing jobs or moving somewhere else can like reinvigorate you and mm-hmm. help you perform better in whatever you do. And so I think that that's a legit thing that could help Joseph Martinez. But it's hard for me to see that turnaround happening just in this same situation. He seems frustrated.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And stagnant. hmm. Yeah as does a lot of this team a lot mm-hmm. of this team
2: so um, uh, again in terms of building yeah. you already mentioned it but like midfield just like you got to get more dynamic midfield
1: got to get more dynamic midfield uh, there are plenty of bad contracts you can try to to get rid of in some way and you should be actively trying to, to duck out of in some way um, you can get rid of Alan Franco and get a center back with much more consistently because you will get miles back at some point and you know, I think we've said it a million times. There are decent pieces here, but there are a lot of tradable pieces, too, that can can help this kind of jumpstart and get heading back towards the right direction because this current group isn't doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. They just don't have it. So um, widening the roster to to take Felipe's narrow roster uh, idea. Right. Just getting players with more traits that that can let you be more tactically flexible and and can attack teams in different ways rather than just the dribbly boys. That's a priority too, I think, right. Even if that means, even if that means shipping off Tiago Amada, honestly, you know, um, would you want to keep him? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. You would just get rid of, you would just need to get rid of Marcy or something like that at this point. But I think, man, pretty much everyone's on the table.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I heard somebody mention I was in a spaces this week a Dirty South Soccer Spaces, which, by the way, shout out to Tyler Pilgrim Mm -hmm. uh, and Tommy Slash Go Ducks, who's been doing a great job um, hosting those after every single game. Sometimes I'm too depressed even to join in and I feel bad, but um, credit to those guys. It's a great discussion. Anyway, um, whenever you see one, you should definitely hop on. I might be in there talking. Who knows? Or even if it's not me, I'll just I'm so impressed with Atlanta United fans who are in there talking about the general discourse and just the high quality level of it. It's, it's really good. Um, but somebody mentioned in there, I don't know if this is true, that Almada has a relatively cheap uh, buyout clause um, of like twenty five million dollars. I think he was bought for like. Oh, that was not
1: what I thought. Relatively cheap was gonna.
2: Well, I mean, it's yeah. it's relatively like a small margin based on what his cost was for Atlanta. Um, so that would be an interesting out for him. I think that that's if that if that is true, it's probably the only way he goes. If somebody man, if somebody hits that clause, but because um, I, I don't, I would keep him around if it's for. I would not just want to do like a get your money back th- type of thing on him um yeah. for me personally. I just well, think he's just I think I he's think that you good. could get
1: someone easily convince someone to to try and take him for 20 or something mm. like that and you could potentially move on to that and maybe get a more long-term and experienced DPN if you wanted to. Mhm. Right? Mhm. Just a thought. I think well, he might be young. I can't
2: I'll work out He is the a young DP. Later. He is a yeah. young DP. Yeah. So
1: yeah. maybe not
2: so you need veteran, him but, actually you need him right now to keep your third U22 your slot two's, right
1: exactly so that whole thing gets complicated but you know what the U22s aren't really doing all that much anyway uh, <laughs> yeah that's true uh, let's see Justin says what will it take for this attack to play for each other hero ball seems to be in full swing lots of missed chances and shots Justin Cisneros had a laughable number of combined touches this isn't working and there isn't a willingness to work towards a fix yeah that's it. I don't know. There's it, it isn't working. I don't know what else to say.
2: It's the one frustrating thing with uh, Luis Araujo, who, you know, he had moments in the game against Chicago yesterday where it's like, good Lord, that, oh yeah, that run that with the ball. Right. Yeah, it's like, holy, uh, there there are not many in MLS, if any, who are as good as him running at pace with the ball and able to, like, manipulate the ball while keeping his speed. Um. But when he gets into that, it can be very like he's not looking to link up with anybody until he might like get into the box and put in like a chip ball or, you know, cutback or something mm. like the, the final delivery. But he's not necessarily looking to combine on those runs. And that right. that can get frustrating because you can almost see it in his head. Click like it's like, <laughs> OK, head down, running with the ball now.
1: And to be fair, he doesn't have a lot of options. Always running true. With very a, true. You know, and that would help a ton. If there were options for him to to maybe keep running and maybe get into a primary assist zone and play a cut back or mm-hmm. play a cross across across uh, the face of goal and have someone there to to, to tap it in essentially, it's
2: or just it's not, not running into him, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> or just getting out of the way. God, we're gonna play that thing on loop for three years. I feel like <laughs> I do that when him, I'm playing FIFA with what? my friends every time. Exactly right. <laughs> what was, what was 2022 at United like? Just hold up the give that yeah um parker says how is it possible to have so many chances on the rush end and dudes losing the ball or running into each other without a shot taken oh uh, there we go impossible but uh, <laughs> it is parker it is ralph has a two-part question says what is the pettiest grievance each of you have ever held in your life Two. have either of you ever taken on an employer's broadcast to prosecute your case regarding said here we reasons? go yeah here we go Uh, We're moving away a bit from the soccer side, I guess here, Um, but I'm sure some of you, most of you, probably saw that there was uh, some interesting comments made about Tiago Almada last week by Gonzalo Pineda. um, I was there uh, at this training session, and it got interesting from there. I I don't know quite where to even start. Essentially, the questions were about Tiago not starting against LA, which. Again, going back to something me and Joe have talked about, it was just it was just bad enough of a decision to inspire conspiracy thought, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Uh, which kind of for me, it hits at the principle of never, never uh, ascribe to malice what you can ascribe to just not having a good idea. (laughs) The stupidity. So (laughs) that's how I kind of want to frame it. It was a bad choice. Right. Um,
2: And. I still don't understand all, it man. And, I and still, still don't get it. it. Um Gonzalo said he attributed it to continuity to like keep consistency in the lineup. Would like would Jurgen Klopp leave Mosala out of the lineup like for consistency? Maybe that's probably even a bad comparison because Liverpool at least has a very talented squad where you have players that are theoretically like at a very high level um comparable to Mosala. In Atlanta United's case, You've got Tiago Almada, who's one of three designated players, and probably one of the one of two designated players that plays even remotely like a designated player. Um, that's just like so much better than like like <laughs> any way you slice it. He's a more productive player for you than basically anybody else on the team. And to keep him out of the lineup for only cons- the uh, the sake of cons- having a consistent starting lineup, that just like does not make sense to me. Still, but I guess you know we can criticize Gonzalo Pineda for making that decision because.
1: Which I think is fair. I think he'd probably admit that. He said the LA game was bad. Yeah. You know. Um and it was obviously he started Tiago in this one, and obviously he made that adjustment at halftime to bring him on in that LA game. You know.
2: When when you talked in that scrum, because I only kind of watched the part that was relevant to to this discussion about the Amada situation, was did he seem as upset with that LA game? Because I thought it was interesting. After this most recent game, he referenced that game and said it was like a bad loss. He was pretty blunt about it. Did he talk about in, in, Not quite in those moods, kinds of terms
1: one of terms okay no 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 um so you know maybe maybe yesterday just kind of compounded that for him which would be understandable yeah you know true um but again the focus kind of around all this though was uh tiago amada and joe should i read should yeah I read like the whole thing it's probably the
2: best way to do it yeah <laughs>
1: probably the whole thing um so Doug Robertson, major says you wanted to reflect or look at the film of Almada to see his impact on the game. When I asked you about why he didn't start when you watched the film, what did you see and how can, you help the, and how can he help the team as a starter? And Gonzalez says, yeah, before watching the film, I think we all know Tiago is a great player. He's a fantastic player. He already proved that. It's a time thing that I see in the day by day that makes me choose someone else it's things that at times you don't see that I see, and I have more information that makes us to have more information to make decisions that maybe at times are hard to understand from the outside, but we all understand that Almada is a fantastic player. When he starts, he's going to impact the game. When he comes from the bench, he's going to impact the game, and also in which position he can impact the team better. So that's my job, trying to put him in the right place with the right players around to support him to succeed. Can now, I, obviously, can I, can I, I is the is the thing that kind of caught everyone's attention.
2: Exactly. So for me, from the outside, I'm thinking, okay, so you're saying he's a fantastic player that doesn't basically doesn't even need to be explained. He's he's talking about how good he is. Um, but the reason why he didn't start was because of things that we don't know about things that we don't see and that he has information that general fans don't have access to that seems to me like it's not necessarily related to his playing ability, which he's already said is fantastic. So that would lead you to further the questioning to try to understand what is it that made you think that he shouldn't have started in that game? Which I think is why you, you asked to follow up.
1: <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. Um, so I obviously I, my ears perked up. Yeah. Right. Every, anybody's because, would. Like, it was
2: good journalism. Huh? Um,
1: good line so of questioning. Asked, is that day to day stuff? Is that about professionalism or is it about simply his skill set? And Gonzalez says it's about everything. It's about competition. It's about how they train. It's about who's better. Certain weeks will have ups and downs and the times I see a player better than the other. And sometimes you're not able to see that. That's not a problem. So it's about everything. It's about we all as a coaching staff, we come together and we said, okay, what is the best lineup for us to win? We don't compare. And we said, okay, what is the best lineup to lose? It's not the case. Should we come up with the best ideas, trying to get the best players, the best 11 based on the scouting report, based on us, based on what's the best shape that we can use based on how the game plan is dictating the lineup. So a lot of things go into the analysis for some lineups. And that's always the case. I mean, when we win, no one asks why you didn't put the player right now that we went ah, when we win. You don't ask why we didn't player out right now. When we lose, everybody's asking why not Almada, Why not this player? So it's normal results dictate that. So I think perhaps some of the disconnect is that the beginning of that response maybe makes it seem like it is the day-to-day stuff because Gonzalo does say it's about everything.
2: It's everything. Right. Yeah. When, when specifically you asked about like professionalism and, the, and that kind of thing. And then he says, it's everything. It's like right. that you would think but is it, encapsulated in, into but everything. Obviously
1: he, he goes on here to say certain weeks will have up and downs Then continues to continue to explain that they're picking the best lineup based on this, based on that and everything like that. I will say that my overall takeaway was not that this was about an effort thing or a training thing or an effort and training issue or an attitude issue or anything like that. And I think you can just kind of simply look at the work rate this dude puts in when he's on the field, you know. Yeah, And that hasn't been an issue at all. I haven't once questioned that. I've questioned Mm -hmm. some other things, Mm -hmm. but I haven't once questioned that. Mm -hmm. And so I get why everyone's ears perked up. I get why people came to the conclusions they did because Joseph's comments about people being here for business. It was not hard to make a jump to potentially one of the DPs in particular. Um, It was an understandable leap on everyone's part. Right. At the same time, I think that the full context of that to me and seeing the nature in which Gonzalo delivered those comments indicated to me that it was not as big an issue as it eventually ended up being.
2: (laughs) To the point, a a big enough issue to necessitate some some, uh, original programming (laughs) on Valley Sports,
1: which is where this question from Ralph comes in, which is uh, uh, Carlos Bucanegra goes on cutting a promo. The pregame show and cuts a promo, right? And essentially uh, goes on the show to address the Almada stuff in particular. It says that uh, it's not about his attitude, et cetera, et cetera. And that's pretty much the whole segment. I think a lot of things can be true here. I think that folks got this wrong. I think that this was not a comment about necessarily Almada's attitude or anything like that. I also think it's really strange for a team executive to go on a pregame show and defend this. I think all of those things can be true.
2: <laughs> it's I think it's it's just to me, it's it is a bad look to to go out there and defend it. I think it speaks to how defensive Carlos Bocanegra is of his players when he feels like they're wrongly being harmed in the media. He wants to go out and frankly protect them now the reason why he's protecting them is probably for business reasons <laughs> like i honestly think that it's like you know you want to make sure that your top players aren't that there's not like you know media buzz about them being unprofessional or you know having had a, a, an incident or something uh, you never know because obviously the rumors can just spin out of control so i i understand it i'm i'm i kind of um Appreciate his willingness to go do it. But at the end of the day, it seems to me like it's just overall a bad look when you are like going out and publicly addressing these kinds of things. Like it's it's not something that you would see happen um, at a bigger club where they're probably. I don't know, it's just uh, it's just weird. Like, again, I understand his reasoning for wanting to get out in front of the story, but also it just doesn't come off well when you do it.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to know what the thought process in general was behind all of it. Like, it seems like the best guess I have is that they reached out to Valley to do this. You know, I kind of doubt that Valley was like, no, come on.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, yeah. that's my guess. I think that they probably run the show kind of like hand in hand. Like it's it's kind of Atlanta United's show to kind of promote themselves as much as they can. Um, Um, Which brings us back to Gonzalo's thing where he was talking about Santi.
1: I have the quote kind of pulled in front of me He says, "Um, well, again, I have to put this in context because at times my words are taken out of context and at times I have to do better explaining my words. All right. Um, And that's how we kind of led into that. So
2: I think that's a fair statement by Gonzalo. And by the way, I love Gonzalo Pineda. Like, I could not be more of a fan of him as a person. Mm hmm. As a coach, even like I understand, like I don't agree with every decision he's made, but hell, if if I were the coach of Atlanta United, I would be making mistakes too from time to time. Like every every coach makes errors in judgment. Um, Just I'm just talking about tactically in terms of team selection, that kind of thing. Uh Every coach makes mistakes, and you hope that he can learn from it uh, and progress. I certainly don't think that you know there. Everybody wants to. F- <laughs> everybody wants to fire everybody like just like fire fire (laughs) fire uh that's not how it works but um yeah i mean i think that there was clearly some communication scrambling happen here even when you compare gonzalo Pineda says that players have their ups and downs in training etc and then carlos comes out on his interview and says that he's consistently you know he's like referencing the training specifically as almost as if almost like cover for that specific comment that was made by panetta so
1: sure and to go back to it all i mean i i, I don't think it's unfair to think about Marcelino Marino's defensive performance against rsl and some would expect that to maybe happen against the galaxy and start marcy over over almada uh to some extent, right? yeah, I think but that's
2: crazy. It's, <laughs> that's it's <just> wrong.
1: <laughs> it's wrong, but it's not wholly insane, <laughs> I don't think. Um, so I don't know. It it got it got a little too messy for anyone's liking. I think. Yeah,
2: and uh that's why just know. the whole thing just made me feel gross after it was all over, and that's one of the reasons yeah. why I'm so even
1: even going mentally to mentally disheveled, disheveled today. Amada on the lineup graphic as if
2: to say, "Here, y'all, <laughs> yeah." yeah. it was all very pointed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there there was one thing mm. that I also want to kind of agree with Doug about which I listened to his podcast earlier today I would highly recommend anybody going checking it out it's called Southern Fried Soccer if you aren't already listening but I'm sure everybody is Um, which is that you know I think because I understand from the club's perspective, like, OK, if, if there's if you are hearing something that you think is like a lie, if it, if it is a lie, um, you obviously want to correct that. You want to correct that on the record. You don't want that to be unduly hurting the player. But. Go talk to the sources who are asking the questions. You know, like like it, it, it felt very just too blunt of an instrument to use the pregame show as like a message as in like a messaging platform <laughs> yeah. for you. Just go talk to go talk to reporters, help them understand the story and what's going on. Maybe that would be a better strategy. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's almost like information vacuums leave opportunity for interpretation that can lead to bad things. So. Who would have who would have ever guessed that in 150 plus years of sports journalism? Who would have known? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's move on. Shea Adams says we've had a few matches now with Parada. How's it and the chemistry of this partner is looking? I think Parada has been pretty OK. I haven't noticed anything egregious. I think it's all been pretty solid with him in the lineup. The defense yeah. has not been
2: the worst thing about all of this. And I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. And I'm wondering if you do, Sam. Is is he only under contract for the rest of the season? Is his loan only for the rest of the season? Or is it like Ronaldo Cisneros where it goes into next year? Because he's a player I want for to keep the rest around. Of the
1: season, but I don't know for sure off the top
2: well, of my head. Well, maybe because of his performances, there would be an opportunity for them to bring him in on a full. I mean, on a full transfer, to me, he seems like he's very much like a MLS starting caliber Maybe not like he's not gonna be like a standout, standout center back, but I think that he could be a solid piece going forward that they could go with. Could be
1: good value, could be good value. He's certainly been a good addition. Yeah,
2: so again, like there's a lot of hitting out of Carlos Bocanegra for like the state of the roster right now, but like I would say that that was like a good signing by Carlos Bocanegra. People are asking for the squad to be strengthened, and he went out and found a player, and you know, he the, the team went out and found a player that helped. Um, so credit where it's due. fair enough
1: uh christian (laughs) i love that this is the next question christian says we have lots of replacement level midfielders (laughs) what are the odds we sell one or two before the window closes uh it doesn't seem likely we're gonna sell um or move or anything like that that's the frustrating that's the
2: frustrating thing thing. it's so funny because Because you can
1: address the center back need which you did yeah as we just said but the other really huge need nothing
2: it seems to me like the team doesn't want to sell at this point, mainly out of optics. Like they don't want it to look like they're folding up shop and punting on the rest of the season. But to me, it seems like the fans that we're hearing from actually want to see that. Um, because it would presumably give yeah, you a you know, better, be more optimistic long-term. Right. Dude, I know is the punting to me. Yeah. It's actually the braver thing to do in this moment is to actually sell players. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but when you got to sell tickets and then season ticket renewals and stuff like that, it's tough.
1: Go, JD says, why the halftime sub Atlanta had a good scoring chance right with the half and to settle on defense side for the sub at halftime. I'm OK with putting McFadden in to get a more attacking presence in there. I didn't mind it.
2: Yeah. It really and I good. thought I thought Campbell was not very good in the game. So, yeah, he nearly cost you a goal on a couple of occasions. So, yeah. And I thought the team looked better, honestly, with uh, when McFadden was on the field.
1: Kurt Castle says, what does accountability look like when your team is in its third or arguably fourth consecutive crisis season, but your club president gets a fancy new job and pay raise and the technical director just got a contract extension? Kurt, that's 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 a point.
2: It's a good good question about the accountability. I went back and was rereading that article. I think I maybe read it on this podcast that Teodol football and I wrote a couple years ago about Atlanta United. It was to be give. I'll give him credit. Teodol did most of the hard leg like, work on that <laughs> one in terms of digging up the actual stats as to why this team, that team was not very good. Um, and, you know, Carlos Boganegra said about Julian Gressel, the Julian Gressel signing or no, no, it was, it was later that season, but he's like, listen, I'm accountable. I'm accountable. And yeah, it's a good question. It's like, what does that, what does that look like? I will go back and say, reiterate something I've said many times, which is that I thought he put it together a really good roster to to start this season. Team got off to a good start. They won three of their first four, five games, lost only one of those games. But, you know, the injuries happened. And in the end, I do think that the vacuum that was left was kind of partially caused by some of the mistakes that have been made in the past in terms of just like dismantling some of those team that team that left like a huge culture void. Um, that I don't think they really took into account when they were selling some of those players.
1: It was a fine roster. I, I think someone asked this the other day. It was like, what would we be doing without these injuries? And I think we'd be complaining about how this team wasn't going to beat anybody in the playoffs is what we'd be doing. You know, they wouldn't be that far removed from last year is my thought. That's just my thought. I don't know. But
2: it's, tough to know. Done. it's tough to know. It's tough <laughs> to know. Hypotheticals, but Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Kurt also says, watching LFC in Seattle, I noticed that players on both teams really pass the ball to the nearest player to them. Because of that, the teams were forced to react more dramatically, and the game was open, exciting, and dynamic. Um, Atlanta United passes the ball too close to each other. How much of that is due to a conservative passing mindset off of the pitch, and how do you fix it? Uh, we don't know how to fix it at this point. Again, I think it's in the DNA of these guys. and It just kind of hits at my thing, which like, I need y'all to watch the rest of MLS at least like once or twice every like year or something like that. And just look at how other teams look and you can pretty easily tell the problems. Right. Um, it's getting
2: long. <laughs> yeah, it is getting long. And I said, we were going to be really short coming into this. because I was feeling so depressed about everything.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: We um, can, I, I just agree with everything you said. So we can just keep going.
1: Totally. Let's, uh, you want to save some
2: of this. these for like a
1: mailbag yeah, show for patrons like, or something these or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of all keep hitting on the same things. Yeah. Um, Let's just let's do this. Uh, Grisessa says, uh, what's next for us as fans? The window is closing and we're clearly not making more moves. We're also clearly not getting any better. What's our motivation right now? Wait until a new president is named and figure out a direction then. And it's a good question. I frankly do not know what your motivation is as a fan right now. They have not earned it. They have not earned your motivation. They have not earned your time. They have not necessarily earned your money in any sense of the word over the last couple of years. So, what's your motivation? I don't know to support content creators, content creators like me and Joe. <laughs> Please, I don't think that's an unfair question.
2: Uh, no, it's um, no, it's it's a great question. Honestly, it's a, it's a really great question because it does feel like this team is at a crossroads right now, and you're at a crossroads without a president you know like you're at a crossroads without a leader at the top of your organization and that you never that's a dangerous combo honestly
1: yep but it it could turn out well i mean it's it's, it's, it's not like
2: it's necessarily yeah yeah it's not necessarily that it's going to be like doom and gloom in the future but um yeah that's that's your motivation
1: for this season in
2: particular though I don't know. What, okay, l- you l- might be more educated on next season. Let's wrap it up this way. I'm gonna throw in a question. What do think, you like? W- what 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 do you want to see? Optim just optimistically speaking, what do you want to see the rest of this season? I'll say for me, I want to see Caleb we- Caleb Wiley play on the wing. Um, mm-hmm. Just like kind to get that experience. I just want to see some of these young guys be able to get some time. I want to see. Obviously, some of these players coming back from injury to just perform well. Uh, Andrew Gutman, I just, I'm very curious to see how he looks with Caleb on that left side. I think that is what we're going to see. Like you, I think Sam, you were kind of leading this bandwagon from the get go, but it seems like Gonzalo is is very on board with using that that tandem. Um, mm-hmm. and I and I want to see. You know, more from Santiago Sosa. I want to see him continue to use this 90 minutes and and try to improve over the course of the season and just try to figure out, use the rest of this year to figure out who's going to kind of be here for you long term. I'm covering the Falcons right now, and they have a ton of players on these one year contracts. We're in there. They're in a similar kind of transitional situation. Um, yeah, that's one way to put it. it well, like it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um you know, they're in a state where it's like, OK, they're going to be basically be using this season to figure out who's going to be with them long term. And I feel like you need to use the rest of the season to figure out the same at Atlanta United.
1: Joe Patrick, you know what I want to see? What's that? Brooks Lennon, midfielder.
2: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> We've Dude, come full I'm, circle.
2: Now you have McFadden, you could you could do it. I guess He, can't he would person. he would yeah. probably Brooks probably would be a better midfielder than. I th- like the i've Mateus been saying Rizzetto? like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know that
1: switch is hard but it's not like brooks hasn't played up and down the field his entire career you know? yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i'm gonna just for the chaos what's on that one yeah f- screw it again <laughs> what yeah, else are you going right, <laughs> what, right. What, what, is it gonna get worse no you're in we 13th need a, need a chaos age 12th, but you're almost 13th um, yeah no yeah. well the rest of the team's boy you get better great all right, Joe Patrick, let, let's just wrap this up with a little bit of rapid fire. West, the pretty good idea giver, says if you had $20 million, what would you do with it? Not even roster building, just in general.
2: Mm, I would um, move somewhere near a golf course where I could play mm. golf regularly and uh, I don't know, invest in the rest. I don't know. I don't even yeah, know if that's right. a good idea at this point
1: right <laughs> 20 million man like i think i'm good for i'm just about good for life honestly i i, I can get by on like i know seriously the same with divine, me i'm like
2: right? <laughs> i'm like i like i do not have a lot of like there are some things i like to do that are like you know golfing is like a expensive yeah. it is an expensive thing um but it's like you know i don't have a ton of like you know, pleasures like that that require a lot of money golf is one of them so i would i would I, use that i get my food from the aldi it's yeah. a lot of rice and beans that's it that's literally I I if I, I had twenty million dollars <laughs> I mass cook brown rice, black beans, and chicken and just eat exactly. it over and over every single over day. Over
1: and over until you die, exactly. John Nason says, hotter sea at Mattia Binotto or Carlos Bocanegra. I kinda laugh at this because like for Carlos Bacca to have the same impact Bonotto is having on Ferrari's season, Carlos Bacca would have to run out onto the field every game and like actively <laughs> throw the ball <laughs> into the opposing team's net and have it count as a goal. So I think it's Matia. <laughs> um, John Leach sixteen says, "Would you trade the MLS Cup win for a competently run front an office?" And the answer is hell no, John Leach. That's my take.
2: What well, I I don't hold on. I'm. My brain can't even comprehend this question. Would I? Tr- oh, trade our MLS cup? No, 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 no. No, no, Keep that forever,
1: forever, remember. They'll it'll be fine. The infrastructure's too, too much infrastructure for Atlanta United to be down for too long. I mean, it's not like the galaxy have been terrible for a decade, fuck. Okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Jake Plunkett says, what is goal? Jake, goal is something in the before four times. Oh,
2: I was just thinking no this is just like crazy the last goal that this team scored was that header from Juanjo Parata against Orlando and then before that it was those RSL goals <laughs> like it's just like I mean this goal this team is just not scoring I I hadn't realized how bad it was Yikes. I like forget I forget how bad it is because I just like don't expect goals anymore maybe because like <laughs> Jake I've forgotten what it is <laughs>
1: ATLNPDX says, at what point does Five Stripes Don't Stop become a threat? It was always a threat. And if you didn't recognize it, <laughs> you were just one of the lucky ones. John Leach, 16, says, well How many more times can we say we played well, but didn't score before we legitimately go insane? I, I think that the intro to the show proves that we are all the way there. <laughs> I think. <So. laughs>
0: As McFarland says,
1: do we think Goodman starts against Seattle? Yes, yes, we do.
2: Going into the recesses of my own mind. <laughs>
1: That Seattle test is going to, or the Seattle game is going to be hilarious for how overrun Atlanta looks in the midfield. It's going to be bad. Oh, fun. I think it's a high cap game, too. What does that mean? Oh, where it's a high capacity, like the full capacity. Oh, oh. Um, Yeah. So 60,000 piling in to watch essentially Albert Rusmack play like a six (laughs) (laughs) out of nowhere and still look way better than any midfielder Atlanta United has. Oh, man. Chris F says what is joe gonna do with his extra hour of not having to worry about this garbage ass team uh i said in discord that we were gonna try to get the show done early today because joe had things to do but then we did an hour and a half god show so sorry joe
2: i can't help sorry. ourselves uh, i, I, I very much contributed to it i'm looking at my audition file right now and see i've done way more talking than i should have <laughs>
1: Uh, We're going to let you do a little more talking here because you're the only one who understands this question. ATL Greg one says, what do you think happened to the Russian and the Sopranos?
2: Realistically, I think that he like had to have climbed a tree or something. And uh, I don't know, just hung out there in the cold because he can withstand it. But um, yeah, I think that's got to be it. We love it. Great, great episode.
1: Smurfy 12 hyphen. I
2: am Joe Patrick (laughs) says, if you were
1: blessed to have less than 8% body fat, don't yell at me about how that's not a measure of fitness. Would you make off-ball runs for several hundred thousand dollars a year? I don't know Sam, I'm probably would you? around like 10 to 15. <laughs> I have not done a body fat measure in a long time, but hell, I'll run. For uh, I'll I'll run for the I'll run for the lead minimum, Gonzo. <laughs> Give me that 80k and I will run. God damn it. Don't pass me the ball. They got they've got the they've got, got your tape.
2: They've got your tape. They know exactly. they know how you can contribute exactly
1: i was making a lot of runs in the media game i, I wanted them to see that at the very least and you know what if you want to pay me to get out there and use my sub like five
2: but still over like four eight speed out there to just <laughs> consistently make runs
1: get challenged back line i'll do
2: it non-wind and wind aided though so. <laughs> <Non-wind-aided>, right
1: <laughs> and that was rapid fire all right joe patrick i'm exhausted by all of this yes Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash 5 strike final. Check out Darius House Soccer. Check out the newsletter I do for MLS at mlssoccer.com slash newsletter. Subscribe to The Striker Atlanta for more Atlanta content, including a good one I have with interviews with Gonzalo Pineda and Brian Schmetzer coming out tomorrow, I think. Uh, and, yeah, just be well. Be safe.
0: Have a personal day. Take, Take it easy. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, Just th- happy thoughts. Get some sun. Sun is good. Vitamin D is important. Yeah. If you aren't getting
1: sun. Take some vitamin.
2: Get D. some without sunscreen. Yes, exactly. I know it sounds scary, but it'll help. Spooky. All
1: right. Let's get out of here. Bye, all
2: arbitrary internet content piece.